acknowledging that you are God. Truly, the power is in your name. And Lord, I just I just think of all of the hype that we just came out of and just for the excitement that Christmas brings as believers, as followers of you. We know that Christmas brings so much more joy than gifts or even one day can bring. It brings reminder that you, God, sent Jesus. And God, I just think about Simeon being in the temple later on. God, and him just sitting with Jesus and him just responding to you and saying, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the, for, to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Lord, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for this gift. We exalt you in this place. In the powerful name of Jesus, amen. Good morning. Glad you guys are here. Greet those around you. Good morning. Glad you guys are here. A few things I want to share. If you pass the friendship folders, um, we have a, a brand new series coming up next weekend called Unhurried, Going Faster by Going Slower. And this whole series is going to be about centering on the truth, that knowing the true peace, that true rest comes from Jesus. And so we're going to be just digging into scripture, digging into who Jesus is and just getting a sense and a true sense of peace and rest that only comes from knowing him. And so that's going into this new year, 2020, we're going to be doing a series called Unhurried, uh, which is very against our culture. And so I'm really looking forward to this series. It's going to be really good and going faster by slowing down starting uh, just this next weekend. So unhurried. And then just to get it on your calendar, um, we have the Art of Marriage Conference, uh, which is going to be facilitated by Family Life and Ministry of Crew. Uh, we're going to be hosting it. We're going to be at a hotel in Washington, uh, PA. And so we'll have more details to come. But just so that you get the, the date on your calendar, it's February 20th through the 22nd. And we'll have more details coming uh, very soon. But I just want to make sure everybody gets that date on their calendar as we uh, just pour into our marriages by the best way possible, by digging into the Word of God. And so this is going to be on the February 20th through the 22nd. And then I also just want to just highlight a few missionaries. Um, uh, Greg and Nancy Fritz, which are relatives to the uh, way to Nancy Baker, they do uh, ministry in the 1040 window. And so what's incredible about this is it's a very hostile area, a very hostile part of the country, and they do ministry there. Um, and they're wonderful people, and um, you know, Christianity in the 1040 window is is, is not permitted. And so uh, we just pray for them and just lift them up this morning, uh, Greg and Nancy Fritz. And then also Anthony and Jamie Vahela over in the Czech Republic. So we recognize them and just continue to pray for them and, and this morning highlight them uh, over in the Czech Republic. And so if you would like to know more about the missionaries um, and have a face to a name, uh, we have a really wonderful uh, brochure for you. You can talk to the people at the Welcome Center. They can get one for you um, just to put a name with a face and also to know how you can pray as we continue to give uh, to the birthday gift of Jesus, which our goal is 93. Thousand, And currently where we're at is we're at just about 67,000, which again, we want to thank God for where we're at. Yep. 
100% of what comes in is 100% of what goes out. And uh, we're excited, truly, to see what's going to continue to come in, and, and we'll have a big update coming soon. So we're really looking forward to that. Um, at this time, I'm going to ask the kids. So if we have any kids this morning, so it's PJ Day, a couple adults maybe participated in that as well. Um, but uh, kids, if you would like to make your way to sit up with uh, Mrs. Metcalf, she's one of our Sunday school teachers. So come on up, kids. Uh, it's going to be fun, Mrs. Metcalf. Man, it was a powerful last last service. So, Deb, I hear you have a couple things you're going to share with the kids this morning. Is that right? We do. Mrs. Metcalf always has stuff That's to share right. with the kids. Very good. So come on up, guys. And then as the kids are coming, ask the ushers to come forward this morning. I wanted to make sure I staggered those two. Everybody looks good. I guess a Steelers jersey always nice. counts, right? <laughs> Um, but as we continue on this morning, we're just recognizing that, uh, that what we give, we give out of a, a cheerful heart, as Scripture tells us to, and we give to the mission to see lives changed by Jesus. So let's go before the Lord as we continue on. Jesus, we acknowledge that you are God and just uh, humble, humble that we can sing to you as we've just done and now as we give and then as we open up your word in a, in a little bit. Thank you for being here with us and thank you for just... Just being who you are. You are God and we're not. And uh, as we go into this new year, we just want to lean on you more and more. So as we give, uh, we know we give to a mission that is alive and active because you are 100% at the helm. God, we love you. We just love you. And we thank you for all that you do for us. In the powerful name of Jesus, amen. Well, boys and girls, thank you so much for coming. I see some of my graduates, and I see some of my now students. And thank you guys so much for coming today, and thank you for coming to hear this special story from the Bible. Um, some of you might remember this because we've, we've done this before. Uh, but I thought today would be a good Sunday to talk about what it is to be wise. Um, I know Pastor Ken and Pastor Luke are going to do uh, a lesson today on the wise men who came to see Jesus. And um, the best thing we can do is learn to be wise when it comes to Jesus, too. So... We're going to go over, how about, ten points that the Bible tells us about Jesus. And this can be like the starting place. But our whole lives, we want to be wise. And we want to learn more and more about him as we get older, as we grow up. But this can be our starting point in becoming wise men and wise ladies. So the first thing that we want to learn about Jesus that the Bible tells us is that Jesus is God's son. Jesus lives forever and ever. Jesus didn't start when he came to earth. He lived before he came to earth, and he's going to live forever and ever. So Jesus lives forever and ever. He is God's son. And the Bible also tells us that Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords. There's no king who ever was or ever will be who is greater than Jesus. He is the most powerful king for now and forever, for all time. So Jesus is God's son. He's the king of kings. He lives forever. And the Bible tells us that his forever home is in heaven. Jesus forever and ever lives in heaven. And if you see some things on this picture that you may have remembered from before that we teach you about heaven, does anybody remember what this part of the picture is? 
Yeah, it's a gold road in heaven, huh? We're not going to worry about blacktop when we get there. They're all going to be made of gold that we can uh, run on and walk on and, and see Jesus with. Um, and so we know that forever and ever, Jesus lives in heaven. But there was one point in time when he had a very special job to do. And that was a time whenever he left his forever home in heaven and he came to earth and he was born as a baby. And do we remember what holiday that is when Jesus left heaven? That was Christmas, yeah. We just celebrated when he left heaven and he came to earth. And he didn't come to earth with a king and a, with, with a crown and, and like a, a big fancy king. He came like a little baby. And he grew up and he was a little boy. And then he became an older boy. And then he grew up and he became a man. And you know what, boys and girls, he got dirty feet and he got splinters in his fingers. And his heart got hurt. Sometimes our heart hurts because uh, something that happens. Everything that we go through, Jesus knew because he walked on earth as a man, as a boy, as a little kid with us. The next thing that the Bible tells us is that Jesus did many special things when he lived on earth to prove that he wasn't just a man. He may have had a body like ours, but he was still God. And he did things like make sick people better. There were times whenever he took people who were blind and couldn't see, and he healed their eyes so that they could see. People who couldn't hear, he touched their ears, and he made it so that they could hear. There were times whenever a lot of people came out to hear him teach, and they didn't have enough food to eat. So Jesus took the food that they had and multiplied it and made it so that everybody had plenty to eat. Only God could do these miracles, and that proved that Jesus was God who came to earth. The other thing that Jesus did while he was on earth was he taught us many, many things that God wanted us to know. And these things were written in God's word, the Bible. And we know that the Bible is from God and everything in it is true. There's nothing in the Bible that's not true. It's all real. And in the Bible are the words that Jesus taught and that he wants us to to learn. Now... Is this a big heart? Is this a pretty big heart? Yeah. Is this like one of the biggest hearts maybe you've ever seen? Yeah. It's pretty big. And it's a fancy heart, too. It's like a heart worthy of a king with all the sparkles and ribbons and beads and stuff on it. Well, this heart's a pretty fancy heart, and it's a pretty big heart. But it doesn't compare to the love that Jesus has for us. And that's why he left heaven. He left the place where there's golden streets and where there's never night and where there's never tears, where there's never a hurt heart. He left all that and came to earth because he loves us so very, very much. But even with all that, even with all the good things that we've shared so far, there was one thing when Jesus came to earth that hurt him real bad, that hurt his heart real bad. What am I holding up now, boys and girls? A heart. What, what color is it? Why would we hold up a black heart in the middle of our story? If you say it, just shout it out. Because it's sin. It has sin in it. Yeah, and we've, we learn from the Bible that sin is whenever we disobey God. And we, we all have sin in our heart. 
we all disobey God. We can't obey him perfectly all the time. And you know what? That hurt Jesus' heart real bad that he had to be separated. We had to be separated from him when we have sin in our heart. Well, there's one other way. There's one very special way, one very, very special way that Jesus showed us he loves us. What do I have in my hand now, boys and girls? A cross. And on this cross, there are two words. It says Jesus loves. But there's plenty of room down here to put each of our names. I could put my name there. I could put Maria's name there. I could put CJ's name there. I could put the name of each person up here on this cross. Because as much as our we, there's room on the top, too. We could put a short name up on the top. We sure could. But this cross, even more than this big heart, shows us that Jesus loves us because what he did was he lived a perfect life. He never sinned. And then one day, so that our sin could be gotten rid of, so that we wouldn't have to walk around with sin-filled hearts anymore, he took our punishment on the cross. It's kind of like, let's say, if you ever disobeyed your mom and dad because they love you, they have to discipline you. If that, if that ever happens, okay, they have to discipline you. Well, God had to discipline somebody for our sin, and it either had to be us or it had to be Jesus. We couldn't take our punishment for our sin because we have sin in our heart. Jesus didn't have sin in his heart. So he took our punishment. And boys and girls, if we decide that we love Jesus and we want to get rid of our black heart, all we have to do is tell that to Jesus and tell him that we're sorry for the sin that we have in our heart. And we invite him to come into our heart and make it clean. And you know what? Is this a happy heart or a sad heart? It's a happy heart. Is it still black? No, it looks white because it's been made clean. This very wise person invited Jesus to come live in their heart. And when we do that, boys and girls, Jesus loves that. He loves to come in. He loves to make our hearts clean. And he loves that in heaven he can be getting a place ready for each one of us so that forever and ever we can be with him and we can enjoy the best gift of all boys and girls you have been wonderful listeners and as you leave the stage and go back down the stairs miss chrissy has a little packet for each of you Um, it has the same cards the same things that we used up here only a little small form and you can take that packet home so that you can remember this wise story and you can share you can be another wise person and share this story with other people that need to know the love of Jesus. Thank you for listening so good and thank you for getting your packet as you go back to your moms and dads. Okay. Miss Chrissy, I think they're ready for you.
just thank Deb and the children and our wonderful children's volunteers we have here. Our children's ministry, our kids are critical to this church and so loved and so valued here. And our, our wonderful, wonderful children's directors and volunteers, we just love you guys and can't value all the things that you do so very much. Um, so I'm up, uh, we're at my in-laws for Christmas. Uh, we spent the night and then Christmas Day, I'm, we're you know packing up all the stuff. We're on our way back to my house, which is a seven-minute drive. It's not far. It's a hike. And I'm in my truck, and I'm like, it's over. Like, the hype, the buildup, it's over. Like, all that crazy chaos. I don't know. I think the longer than I've been, you know, out in the more rural than what we've lived, I've realized people scare me. Um, you know, we've been out and we were out shopping and I'm like, holy smokes, like this is, this is intense. You know, people are flying down aisles and arguing and there was some happiness, but it's just a lot, a lot of buildup, right? The Christmas, you know, the Christmas commercials, the Eaton Park commercial, you know, signifies the start of you can now have Christmas. Um, you know, it, just all the things that build up, right? The, the songs that probably people start playing when, like September, I mean, people, my lights came on, Christmas lights, to clarify, came on in my house at the end of September, and they probably won't go down until February, because it's just, it's, you know, it's like, there's just something about Christmas, and I think the, the build up, the build up, the build up, and then even like Christmas night, like after you've done with the food and presents and going to all the, the people's homes and families' homes, it's just over. But is it? Is it really over? Because two years after Jesus came, was born in a manger, wise men show up. These educated, skilled, just well-known men pursued a star. You know, the eastern part of the country was extremely spiritual. And they're like pursuing this star that this prophecy that they heard about, that this Christ, this baby would be born. And so they show up two years later. So Christmas is not over. Christmas continues. The wise men, the magi, came to see Jesus. They came to offer him gifts. Even after his birth, they still sought him. After the prophecies, after the hoping for so many years, Jesus is born. It's not over. So this morning, as we continue on in this series, The Way in, in the Manger, I want to just open up Matthew chapter 2. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2. We're going we're to um, read over 11 verses and, and dig into the story of the wise men. But before we jump into that, I want to pose this question. What do you seek? What do you seek? I think that if we look at all of the hype all of the build-up for Christmas and the huge letdown. I think the huge letdown is because our expectations for Christmas are probably wrong. I think our expectations for Christmas hang on so many things other than the right thing, which is Jesus. And so as we open this up, I just want to pose that question, what do you seek? What do you seek? Here in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, let's, let's, let's read through this. So it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. 
When Herod the king heard this, heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they went, they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, who had, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. I love that statement. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The first two verses give such a clear picture of why the wise men came. You know, you think, you know, high dignitaries, high, high amounts of education, stature, could be lots of wealth. You're in seek of something even greater. And for, for a human group, they were seeking a baby. They were seeking this king of the Jews, the Christ. And I think, I think probably even, even uh, just in their humanness, they're seeking royalty, but found silence in a manger, in a baby. It says, when, it says when, when we saw his star, when it rose, and we've come to worship him. Their question is, where is, it, where is he that is born king of the Jews? They didn't ask whether there was such a born child. You know, like they happened to bump into somebody on the streets. Like, hey, you know, you know where this kid is? Just heard about this kid, read it, and, you know, got a notification Said he might be here and <laughs> traveled all the way across the country on a camel. Do you think he's here? You know, it's, it's, such, it's such confidence and assurance and passion because they were seeking Christ. They were seeking Jesus. They, they are sure of it and, and speak of it with assurance. So strongly was it set at home upon their hearts. But where is he born? They asked in confidence. They saw him with passion, assurance, and faith. My question again is, what do you seek? Your level of joy at Christmas is directly related to what you seek. What you seek is what you yearn for. Let's ask ourselves this question. What is it that I want to get out of Christmas? Was it you wanted, what is it that will make your Christmas truly wonderful and satisfying? Snow? Although I will tell you that if you hoped and sought out fog for Christmas, you got it. Maybe, maybe some of us are seeking... I just want the family together. I just I want everybody to be happy. No fighting. Maybe a feeling you define as the, holy, as the holiday spirit. Finding the right present to give. Getting the present you've been hoping for. The problem with all these is that they will always leave us disappointed. They will always leave us feeling empty. They will always leave us feeling dry. Have you ever had that kind of experience when you were disappointed by Christmas because it didn't deliver what you thought it would? 
The problem is not Christmas. The problem is our expectations. We're looking for the wrong thing. The Magi show us how to increase our level of joy at Christmas by looking for the right thing. And what was it that they were looking for in verse 2? They were looking for Jesus to worship him. They came to Jerusalem and said, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and have come to worship him. They were looking for Jesus. Christmas for them was, not, was, it was an opportunity to worship Jesus. There was no selfish pursuit. That is what we need to be looking for and expecting at Christmas. An experience of worship. A fresh glimpse of who he is. And who was born king of the Jews. If our goal for Christmas is to worship Jesus, then I doubt very seriously that we will be dissatisfied with our experience. My question is, what do you seek? As we continue on this morning, I want us to get a little bit of insight into what the wise men may have experienced. Watch this video. Great light shines best in great darkness. That is a lesson we learned as we traveled many miles in the darkness of night. And I know, I know, nighttime is the most dangerous time to travel. However, there's a great degree of difficulty in following a star in the daylight. <laughs> uh, we were looking for royalty, but we had no idea what we were going to find. Eh? I've been in the outer courts of princes and kings, noisy assemblages these, hangers-on on every corner, quarters of favor, making endless rackets, scheming, chattering, everyone wanting an audience with nobility. And none of that here. No, no, no. Here, silence. Lingering, calm, awestruck silence. Here, a newborn, wrapped in cloths, and lying in a feeding trough. There were two milk goats standing silently behind him. Chickens pecked on the ground. An exhausted woman and a humble man. And outside, shepherds. Shepherds timidly watching, and all are silent. We dare not say a word. We bow down. We worship. And we gently lay our gifts on the ground. I've spent the bulk of my days searching for the truth of it all. Trying to make sense of this life. But that search, it was different. That time, while we were searching, we were also being led, not, not merely by a star, but by the hand of Almighty God. He led us. He led us to 
the one in whom all truth rests. He led us to a child, a baby, a king. There's several lessons that we can learn from the wise men. You know, the wise men, as they came, as Luke said, it, it took about two-year journey. They came from the east. And uh, when you think about this, the wise men, what they were doing is they were seeking truth. And it's so easy in our culture where we can go for and we can look for different things. As Luke posed the question this morning, what do you seek? It's so easy for us to look for, look for our joy in the wrong places. Like uh, to, to go to anything that's temporary to try and get something that will be lasting from something temporary. So the wise men, they came and they, they were on a journey and they were seeking the truth. Look what the scripture says here this morning. Where is he who has been born? Verse 2. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and we have come to worship him. You know, you, you hear the uh, hear that little song that we used to sing, "We Three Kings of Orient Are." You know, uh, we we don't know how many kings there were. There were we 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 say there were three, but the scripture doesn't come out and say that there were three. It says that they came from a long journey, and we think of three because they gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But uh, I want you to think about this today: is that these these folks they came from a long journey, and these people were not necessarily followers of God. They were seekers. They were looking for the truth. These were people, they were known as the Magi, the wise men. And they, they studied astrology. They studied astronomy. They studied all kind of ancient documents. They, they were incredible wise people that the, the kings and governments would go to and ask for advice and, and try and learn from. And so these men, as they came on this journey, I want you to remember they, were followed, they, they followed a star. They followed the star at nighttime, and the star, you know, you can't see a star in the daytime. So they're following out through the night, and they're making this journey, and it could have taken up to two years. The, the Scripture doesn't tell us exactly whenever they showed up, but we know they weren't there on Christmas Eve, uh, that they made it sometime later. And I want you to think with me today about what it means to seek. Because when you're seeking, you're asking questions. And asking questions is a good thing. Seekers ask questions. And I really think that it's good that we seek. I tell people all the time, if you're a skeptic, if you have questions, skeptics are welcome here. Why? Because the more that you seek, the more that you will find. It's a principle that Jesus said. He said, ask and you will find. Seek and you will find. Ask, it will be given unto you. Knock and the door will be opened. So the more that you keep seeking towards God, the more you keep looking for the truth, God will reveal it to you. And as you come, you're going to find it in his word. You're going to find it uh, in the person of Jesus Christ this morning. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 13, one of my favorite verses says this, says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Read that with me together. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. This is a great life verse. Like to seek God with my life, to give God my life, to go to go on a passionate pursuit to find his truth. And that's what the wise men did. They came from afar. You know, wise men will come from a long distance. It may take a journey for a wise person. And this morning, if you want to be a wise person, I want, I want you to know you may be on a journey. Don't be discouraged. Wise men, wise women will take a long journey 
to find the truth. <clears throat> Could you imagine the discouragement following a star? Hey, we heard this prophecy and, uh, and we, 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 we heard that this would come true one day and, and now we see the star in the sky and so they go on this journey and, and I want you to know today that it's okay for it to take a journey. Wise men, wise women will take a journey. And isn't it amazing this morning that Herod, King Herod, he was the ruling king of the day and he missed it? Like, like the king of kings was born under his reign and he missed it. As a matter of fact, he tried to eliminate it. He was, it was too much competition for him. What kind of an ego would that be to be in competition with a baby, right? So he, he goes and he tries to eliminate the competition. Wise men take a journey. Uh, the, the unwise will say, well, I'm just going to get rid of this. I'm going to, I'm going to drop this like Herod did. And Herod misses it. You know, Bethlehem was just a few miles from Jerusalem. It was the epicenter of the Jewish center there. And their king, the Messiah, had come and they missed it. It was right under their nose. Yet the people came from afar. These wise men came and they took a journey. So this morning, if that's you, you're on a journey. I want to encourage you to keep coming on the journey. Like, keep coming here. Look what it says here in uh, Matthew 2.1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east. They came on this long journey. And I want to encourage you to stay on the journey. Keep asking questions. Keep reading. Keep finding God. Seek and you will find. That's a promise from God this morning. Wise men are persistent. Wise men and women. If we're going to be wise, we're going to be persistent to find Jesus. They didn't stop until they found Jesus. When the wise men came, they, they kept going and kept going. They came to Herod and they said, hey, where, where is he? And look at verse 11. And when they had come, one translation says it like this. Finally, when they had come to the house. Now, remember, they're in Bethlehem. That wasn't their hometown. They went from Nazareth over to Bethlehem. They're in Bethlehem. She has the baby. And at this point, they're no longer in the manger. Look, it says, and when they had come into the house. So they had stayed around Bethlehem for for a period of time. And again, some scholars think it's up to two years because Herod tried to eliminate the competition of all the babies that were two years and under. So here, here it comes and says, whenever they had come into the house, so they come into the house, they saw this young child. They're not in the manger anymore. They're not in the stable. They come and they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. It's going to take a journey for some of us. And today I want to encourage you to keep going on the journey. You know, it's easy to get distracted on your journey, isn't it? As you're coming and you're seeking God. You know what's easy to get distracted by? It's easy as a young, for a young person to get distracted by dating, by relationships, by going back to school, by getting a job, by setting a career, by getting married, getting married, having kids. Oh, and the list goes on and on as your life continues, doesn't it? And so those are all good things. But don't let them distract you from the main thing. Like, here's Jesus, and Jesus will offer you something that that your family can't offer you. And listen, I put a high, high value on my family, but Jesus offers us something that's even deeper than my family can produce. Don't stop the journey. You're going to find the ultimate questions of life. You know, we ask ourselves, why do I exist? What am I here for? As you're heading into 2020, that's a big question. I was talking to somebody in between services this morning, and they said, boy, 
I'm just right now. I'm in this mode. 2020 is on, just a few days away, and I am I'm just cleansing my mind. I'm trying to reset, re- refocus my life. That's what we're going to be talking about as we come up on this series, Unhurried, and how, how to live from a place of peace. And you know what? You'll find that peace only in Christ. And so as we go on the journey, I want to encourage you to not quit. Don't quit. For in due season you will reap the harvest, the Scripture says. Don't quit on the journey of seeking the truth. Because as you seek Him, He will reveal Himself to you. Uh, They came to worship Him. They came for the right reasons. The wise men came to worship God. They, They weren't looking for something temporary. They were looking for something that would be the answer to what they saw. They saw all the fulfillment of the Scripture. These were documents that, that they weren't even sure that they were given their life to, but yet they ran, uh, they came across this journey to see, did this really happen? They came to worship him, verse 11. When they came into the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother. They fell down and they worshiped him. They fell down and they worshiped him. They gave him the best that they had. You know, that's what wise men will do. Wise men and women will give Jesus the best that they have. Think about these kings. They came in, and the Scripture says when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's like, why would they give gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Here's a baby. And that Mary and Joseph were so poor, and as I shared a few weeks ago, they couldn't even go into the, to do the, uh, to do the sacrifice. They were supposed to have a lamb and there was a provision for the poor that they could use two turtle doves. So they come in under the, under the uh, provision of the two turtle doves. They had no money. And now all of a sudden, a few, up to a few years later, the, the kings show up and they give them gold. As soon they would have to flee Bethlehem and they would go into Egypt. Now they have some money to go on their journey, right? They come with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Look at what God's telling us. Gold was a gift that you gave to a king. Like, it would not be uncommon when you come to visit a king, you bring gold. So they bring to this baby who was born, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. They bring him gold. They brought the best that they had. Then they brought frankincense. Frankincense was was an incense that was used in worship. So they're saying that, hey, this is the king of kings and, and he's God. This is, this is God in the flesh and they're coming to worship him. And then, the, then the third gift is really a strange gift. It was myrrh. And myrrh was a, uh, was a burial spice. And they would use it kind of like an ancient embalming, if you will. And so what we see here is that this baby was coming not to live, but to die for your sin so that you can go to heaven. Jesus came so that you could have eternal life. He came to pay for your sin. He was the king. We worship the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, but there was a message that was, that was deeper that, that God was sending to us by, by these wise men coming on this journey. They, they come and they bring these burial spices and, and we see that the ultimate message is that Jesus would live this perfect life. He would go to the cross and He would pay for your sin so that you don't have to pay for it. I love what Mrs. Metcalf did up here. Isn't that awesome? Let's thank God for Mrs. Metcalf again. Huh? What an awesome lady. Every week they're downstairs and they're teaching our kids the truth. And you know what? I watched those kids up here on stage. Man, their eyes were mesmerized. Somebody said I ought to let her preach the whole sermon next time, you know. 
She's like, everybody was like glued to Mrs. Metcalf. Why? Because she was giving the truth. And she was telling these kids about their heart and how that God will transform your heart. And, and so I want to remind us this morning that the, the message of the wise men, they came and they got it, that this child would one day change the world. And it would be through the cross. What can you give to the king? You know, you think about, the, about gifts. You think about the best that you have. And I'm so thankful for our church. Uh, here we do the birthday gift to Jesus. And we've made Christmas about Jesus. Isn't that kind of a neat thought, huh? It's about Jesus. And, and so we made it about his birthday. And I remember when I was younger, we used to have a birthday cake for Jesus. And I think those are good things in your home. Have a birthday cake for Jesus. Sing happy birthday to Jesus. Why? Because we're, we're making it about him. Uh, our kids downstairs, you know, for the birthday gift to Jesus, they set a goal of $500. And they've been bringing in your pennies and nickels and dimes. And they've been helping to make it. And I saw they're almost to their goal. I think next week they're going to go over their goal. Um, I'm so thankful for all of those who have given. Like, you've given of your best to Jesus. But, you know, there's more than that. Like, that's not my best. Like, it's great that I can give of an offering to God. But God says that there's something that's a little bit deeper. And the Scriptures tell us that He's looking for more. There's a few things that you can give. What can you give to the King who has everything? Number one, you can give Him your trust. Just trust God. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's what he's called us to do. He wants you to just simply trust him. Place your faith in Jesus Christ. And you can trust him. You can trust him with the good things. You can trust him with the hard things. You can trust him in good times and in bad times. And, and, and over in Matthew 9.29, Jesus healed a person. He was blind and he touched their eyes. And he said, according to your faith, let it be. And so what he was saying was, because you trusted me, I'm going to work. And as we head into 2020, I want to encourage you to give God your trust. Because he will work in your life. But it requires this thing called faith. And it don't have, you don't have to have much. The scripture says just a mustard seed of faith. Do you ever see a mustard seed? How tiny they are. They're, I mean, they're, 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 they're just so, I, if I held one, you couldn't see it from up here. They're so tiny. And Jesus says, if you just have that little bit, I can work. And so I want to encourage you today. And you say, well, you don't understand, Pastor Ken. I have a lot of hard times. I have a lot of troubles. I want to encourage you to trust God with those hard times and troubles. Psalm 50, verse 15. Read this with me, would you? Psalm 50, verse 15. Then call on me when you are in trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will give me glory. When you're in trouble, call on the Lord. Wow, what a promise. I give him my troubles. I call on him, and then I give him glory. Because he rescues me. And that's what God wants to do. Number two, the second thing you can give God is give him first place. And you say, well, how do I give God first place? The scripture says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no idols, no graven images, right? So what's, what's that all about? <clears throat> There's a, you know, anything that puts Jesus at number two is taking his place. So God's asked us to take and make him first. I'm going to give you a little cross to here that will help you to put Jesus first, all right? Put him first in your finances. 
I mean, you know, he says that we give our top 10 to God, right? Give our top 10% to God. We give that to God. But beyond that, uh, everything that God has given, he has provided. And we're good, faithful stewards of that. So we give God our finances, our, our interest, all right? As you're, as you're looking at your interest, what, 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 you know, God's made us all different. We all have different interests. As you're looking at your hobbies and your interest and your fun, put God in there. Put God at the top of those interests. And, and, and that way, all those interests will fall into their proper place because when God becomes number four and other interests are up the top, he's not number one anymore. Um, the R is relationships. You know, relationships are a big deal, aren't they? Uh, maybe you're single and you're, and you're looking. I want to encourage you to keep looking, but seek God first. Seek him with all your heart. You'll find the truth. God will provide. God provides mates all the time. I watch it happen over and over. It's seeking Him. Don't seek the mate. Seek God. And, uh, and God will do that. And then once you get married, you've got to still keep God as the number one. When my wife and I were dating, you know, you say crazy things when you're dating. You, you remember those days, you know, all that Google-eyed and all that stuff, you know. Uh, we still say Google-eyed stuff, right? I'm just not young anymore. I'm just old dating, right? I'm dating my wife still. And uh, as, as, you, as you do that, one of the things that we used to say and we still say is that, you know what, there can only be one first place in my life. Second best will have to do. God's number one. And so in my life, God is number one. Not the church. The church is like number four or five. God is number one in my life and then my wife. And so she has the right, rightful place. And when, when I do that, you know what happens? God helps me to love my wife more. I'm a better husband because of that. So wives, go home and tell your husbands, put God first because you'll love me more. That's exactly what happens because if I put my wife first, I don't have the capacity to love her like she needs me to love her. But when I put God at the number one, then God gives me, he teaches me what true love really is and I can I can impact her. Relationships. <clears throat> then we have uh, as the schedule. Your schedule, you know, it's so easy for us to just become so busy. And as we move into the new year, we're going to talk about how to be unhurried. Uh, it's going to be leading your life from a place of peace, and it's going to be powerful. I, I hope that you'll plan to be here as we move into the new year. But put God number one in your schedule, and then in your troubles. You know, when you have times of trouble, it's easy to take matter into your own hands. God says, don't take matters into your own hands. I want you to trust me. And as we close this morning... Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. Read that with me. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. God's looking for you to give, give, him, give him your heart. I can give him my heart. Today, I'm going to ask you to just trust Jesus. Like, place your faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been following Christ for a long time. Would you make Him first? Wise people, wise men and women, seek the truth in Jesus Christ. They give Him their heart. They give Him the best. They make Him first. Let's close in prayer. Lord, as we've uh, just spent time in your word this morning, as we have considered that which we seek, I know you've been working. I know you've been moving in our hearts. What is it that we seek? Are we seeking anything other than you? 
And I just pray that if there is anybody here this morning who is just finding themselves in the realization that they have been seeking, seeking something other than you, seeking finances, anything interest, anything of interest, relationships, schedule, 